Hello, you lovely mob, and thank you for joining me for episode 105 of Near Perfect Pitch. And this week, I can tell you, as ever, I'm pretty excited about the programme. And that's not in an egomaniacal way, that's just because there's loads of good tunes I want to share with you, and, more often than not, there's uh, at least one interview. And this week is no different. This programme, this week, 105, is brought to you by Kevin Haskins, Foxes TV, and The Dark Chocolate Digestive. Yep, going to be talking to Kevin Haskins at the end of the programme. Kevin Haskins of Bauhaus, Love and Rockets, Tones on Tail, The Bubble Men... Uh, amongst several other projects. You're going to learn an awful lot of what he's been up to of late. Uh, that's coming up at the end of the programme, and it's going to be very focused on Fox's TV, a, a new programme which is in the offing, which is very, very interesting, in the hopes it's going to fill this musical void. Uh, there's nothing that's really good out there that constitutes sort of TV-viewing musical programming. It's just a litany of dross, and uh, Kevin is planning on rectifying that uh, quite uh, quite handily. New releases this week. I can tell you what you can expect to hear. FTK from Manchester have a new single out, as do World Series. Uh, new material by uh, Faves Public Service Broadcasting. I'm going to hear something uh, from their latest EP. There's also new material by Boy Genius uh, and also uh, something new by Life as Surface Noise. Uh, and what am I looking at here? Yeah, Devon Church, Astral Sun, their new releases. Dharma from Manchester have got a new release out as well. And there is the usual features. If you're unaware as to what the usual features, the weekly regular religious features are on the Perfect Pitch, we have Cover Me, which is our weekly cover version. We have a, a weekly Peel track, which this week is Arab Strap. We have our Obligatory Fall Art track, which is a, a weekly track by The Fall. Figure that one out. Uh, a a hat trick, either a very cunningly planned uh, hat trick of songs that have a theme attached or completely random. And this week, marvellously, I have a theme. And the theme this week is Game. Yes, very cryptic. We have Essential Wax, which is our uh, weekly LP feature, and of course our interview, which is going to be with Kevin Haskins at End at Programme. Yeah. 
sickening voices and spinning You have no choice
that's lovely, isn't it? That's uh, Susie and the Banshees, 12-inch mix of Spellbound. The original uh, is one of two singles off their fourth LP, Juju, released in 1981. And before that, I know it's a couple of days, a few days late, but uh, Halloween by Japan, what a beginning to that song. Just absolutely stellar. I don't think there's a better beginning to any song on God's green earth. Discuss amongst yourselves. Halloween Japan, as I say, off their third LP, Quiet Life, from 1979 on Hansa Records. David Sylvian, Mick Khan et al. What a band they were. And Sylvian's still releasing records. He's good for at least one LP every couple of years. He is magnificent. Next up, from LA, I believe, Boy Genius with their uh, debut self-titled six-track EP. Here's the lead track. I can't hear you You're too far away I can't see you The light is in my face I can't touch you I wouldn't if I could I can't love you How you want me to I can't love how you want me to I can't love you How you want me to
the Blue Aeroplanes, Gerard Langley and his Blue Aeroplanes, looking for X's on a map. That's the lead track to their uh, latest LP, Welcome Stranger, from last year, their 14th studio album. And before that, uh, Boy Genius, who uh, I've since found out are from LA. I always thought they were from LA because I just suspected because the band is comprised of uh, Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridges and uh, Lucy Daco. I know that Julian uh, Baker's based in LA, so I just made that assumption. And yes, the, the EP was recorded in uh, in Los Angeles. It's a bit of a, a minor supergroup of sorts. It's Julian Baker, as I mentioned, Phoebe Bridges and Lucy Daco. That is their uh, debut release, Boy Genius, Bite the Hand off their uh, self-titled six-track EP out so just a matter of days ago. Now, coming up next, what we got? Uh, we've got something from Christchurch, New Zealand. We've got World Series. 
Series with the, their latest single. Go to worldseries.bandcamp.com to find out more about them. It's called Grey Men. Before uh, we go any further, though, uh, if you want to learn more about Boy Genius, it's xboygenius.bandcamp.com. That's uh, the URL to go to for them. And uh, as I said, we kicked off the programme with Halloween by Japan. But I did uh, forget to mention that uh, the Spellbound track, the 12-inch version thereof by Susie and the Banshees, was actually our uh, first special feature this week. It was our uh, Losing One Shit, which is uh, our roll back the years, draw the curtains and go mental with reckless abandon type feature. I hope that makes sense in that my amnesia has struck very, very early on in the programme. It usually takes about an hour for it to kick in, uh, never usually right off the bat. Any road, as I promised, here's World Series. Grey men coming alive Through the windows round the sides They've been fighting the time They've decided that they'll lie When it's time to devastate you Onwards and up with the sun That declares us the grave and 
Badly Drawn Boy, a.k.a. Damon Goff, and that's off his uh, quite brilliant second LP, 2002's About a Boy soundtrack, uh, the Hugh Grant film, The Lad Who Was the Life of Riley, after his, uh, I think it was his dad wrote a hit single and he's living off the fruits of it. Anyway, that uh, LP, uh, About a Boy, was quickly followed six months later in 2002 uh, by Have You Fed the Fish? So About a Boy was his second LP, Have You Fed the Fish was his third LP, and his latest is uh, from 2012, quite some time ago actually, Being Flynn, another soundtrack in his uh, vast repertoire, again Damon Goff. A.K. Badly Drawn Boy. Something to talk about. And before that, uh, from uh, Christchurch, New Zealand, with a very, very short ditty, that's World Series with uh, Grey Men, worldseries.bandcamp.com. That's world with a U, not an O. Got it? Now, Manchester have a new outfit called FTK. Here's one of two songs I have in my possession. This one is called Achilles Heel. Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you ask me how I feel? Come on and talk to me and see. Am I
probably tire of me saying this, but, uh, you know, one of my favourite bands. But Close Lobsters, honest to goodness, what a band they were. From 1987. Yeah, think of it, that's 1987. That could have been released yesterday. That is off uh, Foxhead Stalk This Land on Fire Records. A prophecy. Wonderful, wonderful stuff indeed. And before that, FTK, uh, essentially Feed the Kid, brand new single from ManchesterSoundCloud.com slash Feed the Kid Music, where you can uh, find all the things that they have available this far, including this pretty cool uh, cover of uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, the BOC uh, original. Rather, rather cool. So uh, visit them, as I mentioned, on their SoundCloud page. Now, Public Service Broadcasting have a new EP out. It is themed around the Titanic, and it is typically brilliant. It's a four-tracker, and here is the title track, White Star Liner. It was time to go. Fast and pulled her great bulk away from the quay until her own three engines and 55,000 horsepower could take over. A sixth of a mile long, 11 stories high, she was the largest and most luxurious liner in the world.
This week's obligatory fall R is so-called dangerous. 
of their 14th LP, Code Selfish, on Cog Sinister Records from 1992, preceded by brand new material by Public Service Broadcasting, title track to their new Titanic-themed EP, and not Titanic in terms of gargantuan, it's actually about, you know, the Titanic, the ship, um, White Star Liner, and before that, A Prophecy by Close Lobsters. We're 10 songs into about 30, so about a third of the way through the programme. Up next... A, a brace, a dental brace, which is a bit of a play on words, really. Once upon a time, there was a band called The Dentists. Now, there's a band called Treasures of Mexico.
My goodness me, that takes me back. That's the dentists from 1985 off there. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now LP. And uh, the song concerned is Tony Bastable versus John Noakes. Now, from the UK and uh, grew up there in the 70s, uh, and I'd hasten to say the, uh, the early 80s as well, um, there were two very, very good kids' programmes that competed with each other on separate networks. And by networks, I mean uh, there was Blue Peter on BBC One and there was Magpie on ITV. And Tony Bastable uh, presented the uh, the Magpie show on ITV and John Noakes, in turn, presented uh, Blue Peter on BBC One. Hence uh, the name of the song, Tony Bastable versus John Noakes. But the more you listen to the lyrics, there's absolutely no reference to uh, the uh, the so-called uh, trumped-up battle of the kids' programmes. Anyway, that's a bit of history with regards to uh, Magpie versus Blue Peter, Tony Bastable versus John Noakes by the dentist from 1985. And before that, featuring two members of the dentists, uh, Mark Matthews and Bob Collins specifically, they uh, are together as a band called Treasures of Mexico. They've just released their second LP, which you can get on Shelf Life Records at shelflife.com or follow them at facebook.com slash the treasures of Mexico. The second LP is called Everything Sparks Joy, and the song that we heard was Avalanche. Now, I want to share something that uh, I was just made aware of two, three days ago from Stuart at uh, Emotional Response. And uh, he sent a message uh, from uh, the band The Ocean Party. And it's it's quite sad uh, in that uh, uh, the message goes like this. It is with great sadness and a very heavy heart that we must announce the passing of our beautiful friend and brother Zachary Levi Denton. Zach was admitted to St. Vincent's Hospital on Sunday evening with a migraine which after brain scans was realised to be uh, related to a cyst blocking the fluids from draining from his brain. Uh, The doctors did what they could to relieve the fluid, but swelling of the brain was too much. Zach came to Melbourne from uh, Wagga Wagga in 2012 as a fresh-faced 18-year-old to join at the Ocean Party. He was welcomed with open arms and was an integral member of the band in no time. His warmth and charm was quick to infect so many people. As a songwriter in the Ocean Party, as well as Siggy Watch, Pregnancy and Hobby Farm, Zach's direct and honest lyricism affected those who could relate to his struggles with day-to-day life. Although just 24, yeah, 24 years old, He released more than 10 albums and has much more material that will see the light of day in the coming year. The latest Ocean Party album, I'll be playing your track off it in a a moment, The Oddfellows Oddfellows Hall, rather, features two of Zach's most beautiful songs to date, uh, In Home and Rain on Tin. I'll be playing uh, Rain on Tin for you. Uh, They reflect on his love for his family and his hometown and a desire to let them know the love felt towards them. In honour of his passing, uh, the labels decided to release The Oddfellows Hall uh, early and make it free to download for anyone who would like to to hear it. Um, um, we love you, Zach, and you will forever be with us. So please go listen, share it with your friends, celebrate Zach's music. He was a beautiful, gentle and talented man. We treasure the time we got to spend in his company. I'm putting the links. Uh, if you go to... Uh, uh, nearperfectpitch.podbean.com that's uh, the place where you can be guaranteed to see all the links and uh, the two Bandcamp links concerned one for the latest LP by um, uh, by Zach under the guise of the Ocean Party is available as is his last uh, LP under the guise of Pregnancy you can get both those LPs uh, for now off, off Bandcamp and they are stellar stellar records here is uh, the track that I promised to play for you uh, God bless you, Zach. You are missed. And here is Rain on Tin by The Ocean Party off the brand new The Oddfellows Hall LP.
I hear the bells calling out As what's left of an aging town Shuffling I hear them sing out loud Out of tune But with chewed enough to remove The sin from the room Me, I'm in the city Bucking my guns In the midday sun But nothing's firing I just hear sirens telling me to break free
from Groningen, Holland. That is Astral Sun off their uh, latest LP, Wonderful Beyond, and a track called Matrix of Creation. Astral Sun, that's astral, S-O-N, dot bandcamp, dot com, is where you can learn more about them. And before that, uh, Rain on Tin, beautiful track, uh, as penned by uh, and sung by uh, Zach Denton uh, of The Ocean Party. Rain on Tin, you can get that off the latest LP, The Oddfellows Hall, The Ocean Party, dot bandcamp, dot com, and check out uh, nearperfectpitch.podbean.com for the uh, the links to uh, get yourself a copy of uh, this record on the house as you can with uh, Zach's other project, Pregnancy. Two special records available to you for nothing and they are lovely, lovely pieces of work. Now, what is up next? It's time for our weekly peel. This week, some Arab strap from 1997. First disaster that we came home was war phones at four o'clock in the morning some my mum. She phoned for more ice just to tell me that her and Anne-Marie had picked up some guys and they were personally getting ready to have them. Mum went daft and she didn't take to kindly more like phoning back after a while. Then I was just trying to leave my business, come in gently. I didn't take news too well. I've been sort of seeing Anne-Marie, but, um, well, I'll be a hypocrite if I say that was Paul. We were going to avoid the drink on Sunday because we had to leave early on Monday morning, but um, it didn't really work out. I spent most of the afternoon playing my brother's new Nintendo 64 in the Star Wars game. so I could um, tell them I was actually going to speak to them again. But they weren't there. And Monday was a disaster as soon as I got out of bed. First of all, the check didn't clear, then we didn't get the right van. And then we did eventually get a van, the taxi done it, so I had to take it back. And my dad had to pay for at least credit card then. We eventually did leave, we had to arrange to meet everyone in the right place. We didn't get the right hotel when we got here, the journey was terrible. We should say to you, man. We wouldn't have this kind of hassle. Anyway, we've got two lovely gigs to look forward to and another journey home. Brilliant.
third LP 2015's English Graffiti that's the vaccines with 2020 and before that going back to the 4th of March 97 the first big peel thing by Arab Strap off uh, one of their peel sessions for the great great man now it's time for uh, our weekly hat trick our three in a row where usually there's absolutely bugger all in terms of a continuum between the three tracks this week my goodness me it's a game hat trick to me. 
our third of three in a game hat trick. That is Love and Rockets. And we're going to be hearing more about uh, Love and Rockets because uh, Kevin Haskins going to be having a chat with me at the end of the programme. And he'll be hearing more by Love and Rockets, Barhouse and Tones on Tail. That is uh, the last song on side A of 1985's The Seventh Dream of Teenage Heaven. The uh, WLP by the quite magnificent Love and Rockets. Before that, our uh, second game sandwiched in between the first and third. That is New Order of their latest and greatest, their 10th studio LP from uh, 2015 of Music Complete. The game, of course, by New Order. And the first one, the first version of the game, Echo and the Bunnyman, the first of three singles pulled off their fifth LP, their self-titled fifth LP from 1997, of course, of the game. So there's a triple shot of the game uh, as this week's hat-trick. Now, let's go to Brooklyn. Here's something new uh, off the WLP. We are inextricable by Devon Church. Now that I'm dead, it is a cold. 
Material from Brooklyn's Devon Church, devonchurch.bandcamp.com. Now that I'm dead off his debut release, we are inextricable. And I can assure you that every track is as good as Now That I'm Dead. It's a brilliant record. Very, very impressed with it. And uh, I might be chatting with Devon in the, in the coming weeks. I had a little exchange with him this week. And uh, I really, really do like the record. Glad to be able to share that one with you. Um, now it's time for a bit of this. Since we have time, boys and girls, it's your weekly heaping of digital fodder and ephemera, and I can recommend this to you on a daily basis. Just go to daily.bankcamp.com, sign up for their uh, their daily updates, and uh, it's something that I do. I read uh, I read the daily updates. Guess what? On a daily basis. And uh, the last one that I read that really did uh, tickle my fancy went as follows. A Guide to Scottish Melodic Pop on Bandcamp, and it is quite magnificent. So if you do go to daily.bandcamp.com, uh, and this was a posting on the 1st of November. That's how you can find it. And it gives you a nice little uh, cross-section featuring the likes of wonderful Scottish talents such as The Pastels, Spinning Coin, Teenage Fan Club, heard of them. The Jasmine Minx, heard of them, haven't we? Uh, Port Sulphur, The Sexual Objects, uh, The Magic Circles, and uh, some other stuff that you probably haven't heard of. Wonderful outlook. We all know how brilliant Bandcamp is. Literally, I play one out of every three songs I play every week. Emanates in some way, shape or form from Bandcamp. But do subscribe to uh, to Daily Bandcamp and uh, get such pearls of wisdom into your email box on a daily basis. Now it's time for uh, our essential wax this week, and it's Tinder Sticks. I'm crawling I don't know where to walk from The center of things From where everything stands Is not where I belong I have a sick sickness Growing inside me So this is where I ran for free Where a man could not be free I have these hands Beating with love feet You're not here to touch Since you wait what else can I do when I need something that much? Oh, I'm hurting, babe. In the city, there's no place for love. It's just used to make people feel better. That's not like us. I've got this sickness. As I got off the train Now it chips away at my heart Till nothing remains I have these hands beating with love And you're not here to touch Sit you away What else can I do When I need something that 
Afterwards, less for minutes only. I'm okay, during. You can't fill up my mind. It's just the before, the last, forever. It's just the before, they just fuck my mind. You're not here to touch Since you will What else can I do When I need something that That's Tindersticks, one of uh, two singles pulled off the uh, Essential Wax LP of the week, which is Tindersticks, Tindersticks self-titled LP. On This Way Up Records, their first of 11 studio LPs. And as I said, that's one of two singles pulled off the LP. That is City Sickness and a beauty at that. Now, Tindersticks uh, are English. They were uh, formed in Nottingham in in the early 90s, released six albums before uh, founding member and uh, singer Stuart Staples. He embarked on a solo career. They briefly got back together in uh, 2006. They've got 11 uh, LPs under their belt and have recorded several soundtracks uh, along the way as well. This particular record was self-produced with assistance from Ian Capel. And uh, let's hear one more song. Let's hear the second single off the LP. Let's hear Marbles. Thank you. 
the blood rushing through our body. It was good.
from 1986 that's low life with a track called hollow gut and that's preceded by uh, our second of two tracks of our essential wax this week which is tinder debut and we heard uh, the second of two singles we heard marbles so we had city sickness and marbles and hopefully you have been uh, swayed to the genius that is tinder sticks stuart staples specifically i think it's pretty fair to say uh, a melody maker lp of the year we also uh, john peel and mark radcliffe named uh, the record their, their favorites of the year in 2004 a remaster was uh, was pressed with a uh, obviously a remastered version of the the lp of the original lp and a second disc of demos of the entire track listing of the original lp how's about that then now it's time for our cover me our cover version of the week
from Manchester. That's Dharma with Hey You. That's a really good tune, isn't it? And uh, stay tuned. I'll be trying to get more and more material as it comes out by then. Facebook.com slash Dharma UK. And before that, you are something, a cover version, this week's Cover Me. And that was television personalities having a crack at some Arthur Lee and love of a top, top compilation that came out on Alias Records in, in 1984 called We're All Normal and We Want Our Freedom, a tribute to Arthur Lee and love. And, 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 and as I said, uh, Television Personalities was uh, the band that we just heard, and they were covering You Are Something. Other other bands that appear on this, this really good compilation are Teenage Fan Club, H.P. Zinker, Gobblehoof, Hypno Love Wheel, Uncle Wiggly, and, uh, and Eggs, amongst several, several others. 21 tracks in all, should you care. So that's our Cover Me out at road this week. What we've got coming up next is something off the brand new and debut release by Life as a Surface Noise of their Night Watchman EP. Uh, if uh, you've heard of uh, Blue and Screen, uh, you will know their works. They're most famous for uh, Cuban Boys and uh, the beatbox uh, Saboteurs. This is their latest project under uh, the moniker of Life as Surface Noise. Four versions of Night Watchman on this EP. Here's Night Watchman 2. woken by the vague sensation of something brushing across her face, as if someone had delicately caressed her skin with the fine edge of a feather. Eyes still shut, fighting the gossamer shadows, she instinctively tried to sweep away the intangible presence with her porcelain white hand. Pulled from her restless state with a shallow, resigned sigh, Tilly gradually stirred from her comfortable oblivion, opening her eyes meekly like a newborn. In the half-light, it took time to adjust her vision and to focus her slumber-filled eyes. Her bedroom was swathed with indistinct patterns of deep blue light. Angular shards of midnight darkness, making the familiar seem unfamiliar. Tilly's gaze scanned from side to side, anxiously trying to piece together the reason for her awakening. Every facet of her concentration peering into each hidden shroud of recessed black, hoping to establish reassurance. 
Suddenly, she noticed an unusual aroma of paraffin oil and sickly sweet tobacco. Instantly, she knew that the peculiar combination of fragrances was not of her world. The realization made her heart stumble, then race intensely. Unable to keep her eyes open with a tiny whimper, Tilly slipped out of consciousness. Nearby, her bedroom door opened and then closed.
white on white, translucent black capes back on the rack. Bella Lugos is dead, the bats have left the bell tower, the victims have been bled, red velvet lines, the black box. Bella Lugos is dead.
at the end of interviewing uh, Kevin Haskins, which you're going to hear in a, in a few minutes, I asked him to choose three songs from his repertoire to play. He chose that as the Bauhaus selection. And as if you didn't know, that's Bella Lugosi's Dead. Bauhaus's debut single from 1979. Yes, 1979. Doesn't that date us all? Um, before we get to heavily, heavily into Kevin Haskins and, and Bauhaus and Love and Rockets and, uh, and his entire oeuvre of work, let's just remind you what you heard before you heard Bella Lugosi's Dead. You heard Life as Surface Noise from there, a brand new and debut EP, Night Watchman, and uh, the Night Watchman EP houses four versions of Night Watchman. That is uh, instalment number two, lasn.co.uk or lasn.bandcamp.com. And before that, Manchester's Dharma with a brand new piece of work called Hey You. Now let's go over to Kevin Haskin, shall we? Now Kevin, um, founding member of, of Barhouse, percussionist, uh, synth merchant, and uh, very talented chap all round. Now Kevin has been in uh, Bauhaus in Love and Rockets, Tones on Tail, The Bubble Men, and uh, most recently Pop Tone with uh, with uh, Daniel Ash and his daughter, uh, playing lots of stuff from past repertoire and uh, retooling and repurposing it and going on an, uh, a wonderful tour, which uh, I saw them on last year. Kevin talks uh, at length about uh, his project, which is uh, a wonderful meeting of the minds. Specifically, it's uh, a prospective new TV show, which uh, you can go to Indiegogo.com and search Fox's television or go to Indiegogo.com slash projects slash Fox's hyphen television hyphen pilot hashtag and that'll take you to uh, the place where you can procure all the details that you need also uh, well kevin goes into great detail about the program it's very very interesting and, and uh, as i mentioned at the beginning of the program there is a there's a real need for some quality musical tv content isn't there when it comes to uh, what's happening what uh, what can be termed curation uh, leading us in the direction of what uh, what we should be listening to like the good old days and uh, we'll get into more and more of that banter in just a couple of moments time um before that, we've got one more song to attend to that uh, Kevin, in turn, has chosen. And this is from uh, the Love and Rockets repertoire of 86's Express, Yin and Yang, The Flowerpot Man.
12-inch single, that is uh, a work of genius, methinks. Love and Rockets, off their second LP, 1986's Express, uh, features Yin and Yang, the flowerpot man, also a single off uh, the aforementioned LP, as chosen by uh, Mr Kevin Haskins himself. Right then, now over to me and Kevin for a bit of a chit-chat, which I'm sure you will learn and garner a lot from. Back very soon. Hello. Good morning, is this Kevin? It is, yeah. Hi Kevin, it's Dara calling from Near Perfect Pitch, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Well, I'm all right. I'm all right. What's happening in Los Angeles this morning? Um, it's very hot. Um, and it's a beautiful day. Uh, well, I'm, so, well I'm, sorry I, I'm sorry I asked, because it's, it's the polar opposite where I am. It's miserable, damp. It's just like, it's like Northampton in January is where I am right now. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, to hear well, that's one nil, one nil to Kevin already. Um, <laughs> so, so it's lovely to be talking with you, and, and uh, I'm especially happy to be talking uh, specifically, really, about uh, about the new venture. Uh, of course, of course, uh, in other circumstances, I could probably talk your legs off with regards to Bauhaus and 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 and, and all of all, all of the musical output over, over the course of time. But we're here, we're here specifically to talk about to talk about foxes. And uh, and to touch and to touch upon some of your more recent works. So 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 really, I, I'm I'm very intrigued. A with 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 the premise of of something coming down the pipe, which which resembles consummate music music programming, which which really uh, is is an oxymoron nowadays. I'm just wondering how you how you first became aligned with Tina and Julian from from the magazine. Uh, well, I, a friend of mine uh, suggested we go to this. Uh, bar in LA. I'd never been before. 
so we went along it. Um, it happened to be a night that they, Tina and Julian, were putting on. And uh, a friend knew them and introduced me to them, and they're really super nice people. And uh, so a certain magazine, they, they kind of take a theme, either like a genre of music, or they did a, a series of uh, shows where they, one was based on CBG gears, one on the Batcave, one on yeah. uh, Andy Warhol's factory. And they were, for those, they found this kind of warehouse space, an industrial part of downtown, and, and uh, just go with all these, you know, local bands, or people in bands, to, you know, just say, you know, we, we want someone to build Blondie, a song, one with Paddy Smith, um, uh, and they're great, you know, it's, and it just got a lot of trouble um, for these events on. So I, I really felt, uh, you know, kinship with them. And um, then a few months later, they asked if I would, you know, they wanted to interview me about my coffee table book that I yes. about Bear House. Yes. It's called Bear House Undead. So, uh, yeah, great. So, um, I, some friends of mine, uh, the Denmans, who um, all play bass in Sade, and they have this amazing old Hollywood apartment uh, in Los Angeles. Um, that, um, you know, the, the, the center side is very gothic. Yes. Um, so I, I, asked, I said, can we do the photo shoot of your apartment? So, you know, so they agreed. And, <clears throat> And that's another thing I love about the magazine. Uh, you know, the photography is always really good, uh, very cinematic. Uh, so we did a photo shoot and an interview, and um, it was great. It came really great. And then out of the blue, a few months later after that, they said, if you, if you want a music supervisor and produce a TV show. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> You know, I thought, well, it's just, you know, a great timing for me because, you know, we, I, I had been touring with Daniel and my daughter, Diva, with this project called Pop Turn, where we, it was like a career retrospective where we played music from all the bands. Yeah, Daniel I saw you. Playing. I saw you on that tour. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, thank you. Um, so, you know, that it kind of run its course, for, at least for now. So I didn't really have anything lined up. I thought, well, it's going to be great. It's a new, you know, I like new challenges or going in different directions. Um, so, uh, and, you know, it's been a little bit of music supervision because when I used to, I used to score movies and TV and documentaries and um, sometimes that would kind of segue into, uh, if they didn't have a music supervisor then, you know, the composer would become the music supervisor. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, and I, I just, you know, obviously I said yes, and um, so we kind of, uh, we filmed maybe enough for about a 15 minute kind of teaser, sizzle uh, reel, and uh, some interviews and live performance and uh, we're just kind of finding an editor now to um, put that footage together. 
Right. So that's where we're at right now. It must be very exciting because, well, first of all, were you actually, Kevin, were you aware of the magazine prior to your, your, your meeting with, with Tina and Julian? Was it something you were unaware, unaware of? Sorry, I couldn't understand what you just said. Oh, my apologies. I was, I was asking, were you familiar with the magazine itself prior to having met Tina and Julian? Um, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's a fair question because, because I must admit, I certainly wasn't until I learned of your... Uh, your latest venture, and I've sort of gone back retroactively, and it's it's quite it's quite a wonderful uh, publication, and I, I've got you know a history of, of being in publishing, and it and it's it is very enviable what they're doing. It's it's a beautiful product, and the hope is, of course, with with with, with you being heavily involved, is that that aesthetic can laterally migrate to to, to the moving image, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. When I when I first met um, uh, with Tina, Julian, also Ari and uh, William yes. is um, attached. Uh, and I said, you know, let's, let's literally make a magazine uh, into the TV show, as in, I, so I love the photography, you know, I love the, some of it's colour and some of it's black and white. I said, we should do that in the show as well. Yes. Have some of the segments in black and white and some of colour. Because uh, the aesthetics of the magazine are, Beautiful, you know, it's very, as you can attest to, it's very glossy and beautifully sharp. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, as a past publisher... I wasn't aware of the magazine, you know. I was just going to say, yeah, as a past publisher, as I look at it, I'm thinking, my God, this is gorgeous, and I'm doing all the maths in my head to figure out how much the press run must have cost. It would be quite a hefty, a hefty fee because it is a beautiful product. But um, I was also going to ask you, and I've been fumbling to find information on this. Did, did the benefit show actually happen on the twentieth of October? No. Okay. <laughs> In a word, no. Okay, it's good because I thought I was going mental because I'm usually good at digging stuff up. I couldn't find a thing. Um, now you, you, you've obviously uh, you alluded to to your your wonderful past, whereby you have. Um, you, you've, you've composed, you, you've worked with Doug under, under the guise of Messi, uh, you've composed numerous themes for video games and you know, the, uh, the big screen, the small screen. D does Messi still exist or is it, is it very much in the past? No, it's very much in the past, yeah. It's, it's... Doug and I kind of went separate ways a long time ago now. Um... Uh, I think you know, it kind of started when we were not the first time we reformed our house because we hadn't started working together. Um, but uh, when we started around the 2005, we started we could shadow with our house and started touring again. And, yeah. Uh, I said, you know, I can't, <clears throat> I can't guarantee I'm going to be, you know, in LA all the time, and I think we should, you know. Probably not work as a team anymore. No, I just, I just wanted to double check because you, you are a chap that, you know, even right now you're spinning quite a few plates simultaneously. So I'm just trying to join all the dots for, well, primarily selfishly for myself and then for the listenership, of course. Um, now, now, you did, you know, we were talking about the show itself and there's, there just is, uh, you know, from, from there being a glut of shows in, in the 80s and 90s. 
uh, not necessarily manifesting itself in quality, but they're just being a whole load of them out there. And of course, you know, music, uh, MTV and much music in Canada and, and, and a million and one derivatives. Um, there really is a massive abyss right now in terms of the moving image, which, which of course is well documented and which is the prime mover for, for this endeavour. But um, back in the day, which is an expression I hate, but I had to use it, um, did, were you enamoured with, with any shows in the past? For instance, I, you know, I, I used to hang on every word of, of the tube and, and, and the word and, and rapido and, and things like that. Were there, were there any shows in the past that you, you would watch religiously and, and, and love to watch? Yeah, well, actually, I, during that first meeting, I brought up the tube. Um, and then when I got sentiment in terms of its anarchic uh, aspects and and you know not knowing what you were going to get but I'd always you'd always watch that program and the bottom line was you would be inspired because you will invariably have heard something that you'd never heard before that you wanted to learn more about which would impel a visit to the record shop the next day yeah absolutely yeah 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 and, and I remember driving past um, you know the, the studios in Newcastle and just seeing the massive queues assembled outside the studios for for for, for Paul Yates, etc. It was fantastic. But were there were there any other shows? Uh, I mean, obviously the consummate shows like South Bank and, and and others. Were there any any other shows that, that, that tickled your fancy at all over the years? Well, you saw actually our Grey Whistle test. Um, yeah, yeah. Wasn't really a, a big fan of whistling bar, but actually I can remember that. Uh, when he had, I think it was the New York Bowls, and you could tell that he was really uncomfortable with them being on the show. And yes, and it, I think just with his body language, he was trying to you know, apologize. You know, the, <laughs> the, the uh, you know, because I always thought that program was kind of aimed at um, kind of intellectual male college kid guys with beards. Uh, not there's anything wrong with beards. <laughs> careful, careful what you say nowadays. <laughs> Every second gent has a beard, so yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of beards around nowadays. Um, and you know, you, you could tell he was like squirming in his feet. And yeah. I really loved that. I was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anti. To me, you know, they were. I mean, you know, they were sexy, obviously, and you know, you compare them to like a band like Super Sam, for example, like. 
with zero sets appeal, though. You know. um, <laughs> That's a T-shirt right there. Super Tramp, zero <laughs> sets appeal. Hodgson <laughs> <laughs> yeah. will be well chuffed with that, I'm sure. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, also, you know, however, you know, he did have some good bands on, and, you know. Yeah. I think that, like, also, like, the, uh, they would show old uh, black and white animated, animated cartoons from like, the 20s or 30s. Uh, they would always have a segment where they play some music and yeah. use one of these old things. I, I love the quality of those old cartoons. So, I always enjoyed that part of the show. That's good. That's good. No, I remember that quite vividly, but um, I have to really sort of close my eyes and squint and try and think back. It's quite hard. It was an awful long time ago. Um, with, with the content of the show, I understand that there are going to be these, these wonderful sort of iconic duo matchups that, you, you know, you, that you're going to devote a lot of time and thought to. Um, is, is, is there one in particular? I mean, I mean, there are going to be some that are going to be completely uh, non-starters, but... Is there one iconic duo that if you had a magic wand that you could say, Look, I'd really like to stick these two opposite each other? <clears throat> um, I haven't actually thought about that, but um, it's a really good question. And maybe I can come back to you on that. No, please do. I'd love to know, I'd love to know that because I think everybody, I mean, I, I couldn't answer it off the top of my head either, to be frank, because it's... I mean, it's, it's literally seven billion people on this planet. I mean, it's just going to take it's going to take some time. But um, yeah, please do let me know. I'd, I'd love to share that because I'm I, I'm I'm going through that process myself, wondering who, if I had carte blanche, who I could place in front of each other and and just roll the tape to see what happens, type thing. Um, so so I also I also want to ask you too um, um, about um, about your past. I mean, God, that sounds kind of. Uh, Ominous, but um, you, you've cited that, that Stephen Morris and, and, and Kenny Morris, two, two namesakes, that were, were very instrumental in uh, your, in your formative uh, percussive years. Uh, are there any are there any uh, percussionists nowadays that, that are blowing your mind, or that, or that, that have, have you stopped in your tracks and go, "Hang on a minute," is there any anybody that's really doing it for you? <clears throat> um, I Okay. So he'll be 
playing like one of the most difficult, you know, technical drum beats. And just for a joke, he'll break into the Running Man, which, if you were like watching him from the side of the stage, it looks like he just starts running with his arms and his legs, but he's at the same time not missing a beat. And it's just kind of this incredible thing. Like, how can he be doing that? And <laughs> <laughs> well, this is coming. This is coming from a proficient drummer. So, for someone like me, it would blow my little cranium. It really would if I if I could visually get a get a look at that. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, yeah. Well, so it's that amazing. You know, all those guys, Billy, Buddy, and Josh. You know, they're very natural drummers, and they just when you watch them, it just it just it just gives that beautiful flow to what they're doing, and it looks. Well, and I hate them. <laughs> you hate their organic brilliance. Damn them! But but yeah. but, but Josh, honestly, yeah. you know, I, I, just from the top of my head, I, I mean, this this chap is, is is drummed with anybody who's everybody from from the replacements to to, to Green Day to to to, to, to Devo. It, it, it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, I think in um, you know, Josh is I mean, again, I know enough to know that uh, that, that uh, moving from genre to genre, especially in the world of percussion, it's not an effortless transition. You you you, you either can or you can't. I would expect, and uh, he makes it look he makes it look as I'm as I'm sure you you've just alluded to. You I mean, it makes you sick. I'm quite sure. Um, just just a couple more just a, just a couple more things to ask you. Um, we mentioned Pop Tone earlier, and, and it was a beautiful project. And, and those of us that uh, you know, bought, you know, bought the record and, and, and saw and saw the show, and were had a big smile on our face because it was a it was beautifully uh, derivative. Yet it it was it was new at the same time. Is there is there an opportunity for that to, to possibly still have legs in the future? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's it's kind of thing we can pick back up. Quite easily, you know, yeah. having having done it already, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would think, you know, probably at the end of next year, it's something we could probably do again and revisit the same market. I think because I was, I was quite, um, I was very pleasantly surprised uh, how many people came out here. I mean, you know, it's largely you know, a middle-aged audience. <laughs> yes, I can appreciate uh, that. With, you know, we did get some youngsters come along, so which is always gratified. Um, but, you know, like we would be playing somewhere on a Wednesday night, and I'm, you know, on a Wednesday night, actually, I'm, you know, I'm not, you would not see me going out to see shows, or, you know, I, you know, I'm basically saying as you get older, you you tend to want to stay in more than go out. I'm with you, 100%. Um, so yeah. I was really, yeah, I was really impressed with how many people would come out, but, you know, and how enthusiastic they were, you know. I'm, I'm, wow, these guys. We had some amazing, amazing audiences who really 
appreciated what we're doing. So was, that was really gratifying. So. I'm sure it was, and, and again, again, fan, yeah. fans of your work uh, as individuals and as, as you know, varying degrees of collective over the years, there's an immense amount of loyalty, um, and it's largely due to the quality of the body of work and um, your absence. <laughs> so absence makes the heart grow fonder, I suppose, and the opportunity to see you. A lot of people, I'm sure, myself included, saw you thinking this could possibly be the last time I'm going to see these these chaps live. Full stop, really. Right, yeah. You know, so which is entirely conceivable but I'm glad that there's a possibility of, a, of, of having that having that feeling again thinking I'll be seeing you for the last time again which would be nice um, <laughs> I, I, was just, I was just wondering because of the Indiegogo campaign for, 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 the, for the television pilot of course I'm going to share all the URLs with everybody uh, listening so just, just verbally now it's indiegogo.com slash project slash foxes hyphen television hyphen pilot but uh, there are lots of cool incentives that you've got there as well. Would you imagine? Would, would you mind just touching upon some of the wonderful uh, Bauhaus raffle incentives that you've got, uh, Kevin? Sure. Uh, so there's uh, there's my puff table book signed, uh, signed copy of that. Um, there's uh, oh some, yeah print. Uh, yeah, so I'm offering um, two. Like a small and large print of uh, some of the photography or uh, imagery in inside the book, and uh, they're on very high quality uh, photographic paper, which those kind. And um, I went into my box of tall lamina, and I picked out one. It's a bar house near the atmosphere tour, um, all access tall lamina that I'm uh, signed and. That's, that's quite. A, I think that's quite a nice item because there's probably only I would think about 15 of those were made and Wonderful. probably not many of them exist anymore. Uh, and um, we're just about to add uh, a, a guitar company called Schechter, uh, who are they, they started out making uh, parts for guitars um, like pickups. Things like that. Yeah. And uh, you know that the whole whole thing is the quality. You know, they they make high quality guitars. They want to make guitars, make Prince's guitars, for example. Yeah. Uh, so they've donated uh, a guitar that's worth about eleven hundred dollars. Nice. Is that the one? Is this... And okay. I've got Daniel Ash to sign it. So that, that's going up today or tomorrow, I think. That's lovely. Is that, is that the guitar that uh, Shauna managed to snag? Say again? Is that the guitar that uh, Shauna managed to get her hands on? She did, yeah. 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 yeah Shauna's, uh, Shauna's been great. She's been so generous and helpful uh, with her abilities. And um, <clears throat> she, you know, she did the publicity on her Fox Sun album. And uh, I, you know, I just always rate her so highly. She's very, so highly motivated whatever she takes on, you know, she really goes above and beyond. And, she does. Uh, and, and push, you know, she'll push you, push you, she'll like, you know, send an email out, look, hey, you know, what about doing this? Or have you thought about this? And, and I'm, she's great, so I'm going to yeah, well, I deal with yeah, the. I'm glad you brought her up. Yeah, well, credit where credit's due. I deal with her quite a lot for um, for, for, the, for the program, and uh, she is just absolutely top draw. So I, I wanted to make sure that uh, 
we could name drop Sean, especially for you know for the procurement of that wonderful prize. Um, I wanted to also ask yeah. you. Um, of course, you mentioned the book, and I didn't, didn't want the interview to pass by without without mentioning the, the beautiful book. I mean, it's not just its content; uh, it, it's, it's its presentation. It's one of the most beautiful uh, pieces of, of, of publication that I've, I've ever seen. And I just wanted to just just quite simply ask you. I mean, how obviously it wasn't rewarding. I just want to know how how just how rewarding it was to compile this. How how emotional and evocative as well. Um, did it take anything out of you, or was it just it was an entirely joyful experience? And how long did it actually take to compile? Um, well, it actually took like three years. Because, um, the idea came from a friend of mine, Matt, who worked at Cleopatra Records. Mm. And, um, and he said, Why didn't you put all that stuff into a public table book? Because then, had it not been for him, there would be no book because I, I don't think it would ever cross my mind. And um, so I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it." And then uh, he made me an offer. Um, you know, he had a he had a best interest. <laughs> of course. Said, well, you know, Cliff Ashford just started putting my books in. But I decided I wanted to self-publish and and go down that route. So he said, "You know, go ahead with my process." Uh, and off I went. Um, soon ran into this guy called Jeff Anderson, just by complete serendipity, I guess. Um, and uh, we kept, you know, he was just an interesting guy. I saw his gig and we got talking, and then I was seeing him at other gigs. And after a few meetings, I, I said, what, what do you do? And he said, I, Well, right now, I, I've been putting out box sets. Um, a band. So I went around his house and saw this beautiful work. Um, uh, he, you know, did had made things, books and box sets and pictures and cigar rocks, uh, Roger Waters, The Walls, Fleetwood wow. uh, Mac, uh, Beck, <clears throat> all nice snares, all really high, high quality and very creative. Like, um, for the wall project, he had the idea of building a wall with a box. So they, I think they did an imposition of 2,500. And his idea was he went to this huge warehouse in LA, <clears throat> built a wall out of the box, and then said, said to Roger, well, what about when you have Banksy come and tag it? And then, but Roger had the, he loved these two Brazilian um, street artists, so they flown in. They, uh, did a visual kind of representation of the whole wall, you know, concept. And so when when you bought one of the books, you would get part of the artwork. And uh, and then you could go online and see, you know, there'll be some, you know, you put the number, and you could see where your numbered book fitted in with the, the entire painting and such. That's fantastic. So, uh, I just thought brilliant, you know, quite a brilliant mind. So I said, Jeff, I know Brainy, you've got to do the book with me. <clears throat> so he brought in these layer artists, uh, Kaylee, Carrington, and oh, Donnie, Donnie, work, Donnie, Donnie and Kaylee. Uh, amazing people, amazing layer artists. <clears throat> um, I, I just told them, I want this book, I want it to 
kind of looked like a, a high art book. Uh, I want to take one of the flyers I made just by cutting things out. And, you know, we, you know, we used to make flyers glue and scissors and and whatnot. Um, they're very kind of crude. Yeah. I said, I want, you know, I want these to be presented as, as though they're high work. <laughs> no, not in a uh, kind of arrogant sort of way, but I, I just. I just wanted it to be kind of austere and not kind of rock and roll looking with paint splotches and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and then they, you know, they they came back with these great layouts and the colours they chose were kind of, you know, sometimes they are bright, you know, pillar box red. And, yeah, to offset. Uh, kind of a, a very subtle kind of fawn colour or, yeah. or a big bleached out blue, like sky blue and but, I, but it somehow it all worked. And, and I also said, I don't want to call it like it, let's just put it together so that, it, um, so that it's interesting and that there's dy a dynamics in the book. It's brilliant. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, you know, as you say, their, their use of, I'd hasten to say, in, in, in the Bauhaus aesthetic period, really, it, it is very much less is more. Uh, lots of white, obviously the white and black space are predominant, but the, the use of singular colour to enhance black and white is brilliant, all the way through. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think it, I guess that creates, you know, contrast and dynamics as well. So um, I think that works on a psychological level. It does. Uh, it does. It works on a macro it's, scale yeah. because it's in, anyone who's familiar with with. With the look and the feel of, 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 of your output since the beginning, is, is this is it, first of all, it's, it's immediately familiar, but it's also very new. Uh, and, and the very fact that you can thumb through this this publication and, and look at <laughs> look at comic strips and contracts is, is absolutely fantastic. It's really you, you've not left anything out, have you? Really? No, I mean, fortunately, I kept a lot of you know a hell of a lot of stuff, and also. Up to next, Vincent Forrest and Andrew Brooks Bank, um, and also before. Yeah. Um, these big fans of the band and projects, and they, you know, they, they gave me a, a few items which were really great. Um, and also, were very supportive. And um, also, Andrew, with, you know, when I was writing the stories, you know, I had no idea what month it was. Let alone what year. <laughs> so uh, he he made a timeline for me, uh, so that was invaluable. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so just to continue on, I work with um We we actually kind of made a bit of a mistake. We carried away with the with you know the artistic side and didn't really put much attention into the business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we initially we created this huge rock it was like some ridiculous like 22 inches by 15 inches with a slip case because um, he, he made this one huge book um, uh, for the pictures and it you know it had a lot of I can't remember the artist's name who worked for 4D right now but um, amazing artist that did all their covers so a lot of his work... You're talking about Vaughan Oliver? You're you talking about Vaughan Oliver? From, from, from Vaughan Oliver, yeah. 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 Um, so it was beautiful, and 
I, I, I told him, I said, Jeff, I want my folks to be safe. <laughs> so um, we didn't kind of think about how much it's going to cost to make this book and how much it's going to cost to ship it. Um, <laughs> That's the so, shipping is the killer, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, God. I know everything about shipping all around the world. And, <laughs> about fulfillment <laughs> companies. Yeah, yeah. So we put this book on sale and also that that very morning uh, I was using I used Wix, the yeah. company Wix to build my website and their server went down that morning. Oh okay. so I was sitting by my computer waiting for these orders to come in and nothing was happening. <laughs> and I called them up after like an hour what the hell's going on here? And they said, oh yeah, sorry, our server went down. Like, so, you know, the, the minute my phone went on sale, the server went down. And I was yelling at this poor guy saying, you know, because this was, this was like two years of work yeah. at that point. I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> this can't be happening. And this poor guy's like, I'm really sorry. I'm like, you're killing me. Like, ah. Um, so that didn't help, and then also, you know, it was very, I had to price it a lot, quite highly, I guess $600, $200. Anyway, it basically, it was a bit of a disaster. And um, so then we quickly reduced the size of the book and put that up for sale, and that sold a bit better, but I, basically, I, I couldn't get enough money to get the book made. So I had a minor uh, meltdown. <laughs> and then I was, then I was like, okay, plan B, go to publishers. So I went to all these publishers. Uh, basically, got a lot of interest in the UK, but they were kind of too small. Uh, they didn't really have a load of distribution. And basically, I came back to having nothing, no options available. And I went back to my friends. House, Matt, we were going out to see a show. We usually meet up at his apartment before and have a drink. And he said, Kevin, let me, let me show you this Hanoi, I think the Hanoi Rocks book you just put out. I'm like, you know, not my cup of tea, but I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah the book was great. And, and he said, we did a really good deal for these guys. I'm like, oh, yeah. So he told me the deal. And I was like, well, which is a lot different to the deal he first offered me two years prior. <laughs> and, and I said, well, could you do the same for me? And he said, you know what, I think we could. And so, I, you know, I, this crazy big circle of journey, you know, and came back to Matt and Cleopatra, and they gave me, you know, gave me a great offer. Right? But then, you know, I, I was delivering a book on the plate to them that was all, yes. you know, they have an in-house artist that puts all their stuff together, but I was... Mine was all ready to go to print, obviously. Mm, mm. And so, uh, you know, it, it was attractive to them. Um, yeah, so, and then they, so they put it out and they did it, you know. I was really happy with the printers they used. And I think it turned out really great. So oh, absolutely did. I, 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 played, I didn't know. I didn't know, Kevin, that, that Cleopatra had ventured into music and films. I used to be a music rep many years ago, and I used to, Cleopatra won a, hundreds of thousands of labels that I represented over the years and used to really enjoy representing them and then obviously when I left the left the industry per se I didn't really keep an awful 
lot of track on, on Cleopatra, but I think I think they've done a wise thing by by venturing out into music and film and, and evidence and proof positive is 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 undead. I mean, undead is is just is, is ridiculous. And I urge anybody and everybody out there to uh, to at least go to cleorex.com, cleorecords.com, and, and look at look at this this beautiful piece of work. And and, and uh, now that the shipping is uh, is is now. Uh, semi-cordial, you can afford the $70 sticker price knowing it's not going to cost you $100 to ship, which is lovely, isn't it? Yeah, well, they, you know, they have really good distribution around the world, which is, you know, after the experience I went through, that was really important to me, you know. Of course, of course. Uh, so that people, you know, people in Europe can go to a bookshop and get it or go on Amazon and... That's it. Um, That's it. No, it's great. Yeah. It's lovely yeah. that you don't have that distribution nightmare. Having the product and it's only half the battle, as you well know. I'm, pre you know, I'm preaching to the to the converted here. So it's it's great that you've got this distribution arm that you can that you can rely upon and that more people can ultimately see how beautiful this piece of work is. Um, just 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 a couple of last things. There's the Bella session coming out before you can blink, and I think it's three weeks today that comes out, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Everywhere you look, there's something that's got your stamp on it in the, in the last little while, whether it's a book or a TV program or a or a you know, or a reissue or, or a special package. Um, I was, I was, I've got one last musical question to ask you, uh, and I'm just wondering if you could help me uh, program the show and choose uh, one one pop tone tune and one bar house tune and one Lub and Rockets tune that, that I could uh, play around the interview. Uh, okay. Mm. No pressure. If you, you you can say you can say no as well. Uh, well, I think Bella Lugosi said that house. Uh, Never heard of it. Reissue that's coming out. That that's a uh, thing. Um, uh, no, just do Love and Rockets. Uh, Make it easy. Make it easy. Love and Rockets uh, and Pop Tone. Yin and Yang, a flower pop man. Oh, you don't. And burning skies. Gotcha. That's good. We'll play those three around the interview. And and um, I have I have one question that I ask everybody religiously, uh, and it's got sweet Fanny Adams to do with with music, but it's pertinent, and especially I find it's pertinent for people who have been displaced like myself, who live in Canada now, having been from you know from the UK, and you're in LA. And I'm sure that you uh, sometimes have a hankering, as they say, for some uh, some food from back home and probably pay exorbitant, over-the-odds prices for Marmite and things like that, which is the world I live in. Um, if, if conceivably you're around my place with any number of your bands and you've got a warm beverage in your hand and I go to the pantry and come out with a magic biscuit tin, what biscuit would you choose? Absolutely. What biscuit would you choose given carte blanche? You can choose any biscuit, God's green earth, past, present, or even future. It would be um, the biscuit, uh, you know, it would be the, the chocolate, the dark chocolate covered magnetic. Okay, so you're a, dark, you're a dark chocolate digestive, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. But I'm, I kind of. Probably want to be able to consume it now because I'm now vegan. I don't think it's <laughs> milk in. Yeah. So, uh, I could look at it and remember. Yes. And probably sort of get some kind of like third party 
taste in your mouth, some 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 something from the pub. But but no no, uh, you know we can talk about your veganism too, which is also another another big big aspect of your life. And I understand that the film you know watching Unity was very instrumental in your shift when it came to that. Yeah, well, I actually, it was actually the film Earthling, which is made by the same director, yeah. Unity. Um, but yeah, that was, um, yeah, I, uh, I was actually, you know, I, I loved scoring documentaries because um, they were always labors of love, you know, you, and usually just, there was only the director that you dealt with, so <clears throat> they had a purity to them, and... Um, to me, they were very enjoyable, and I love watching documentaries. So I was actually kind of looking, you know, to, for work, and I was like, well, I'll just go on the internet see if I can, you know, find a documentary that needs music. And I came across Sean's site, and I saw this documentary called Unity that was going to come out, and it looked really interesting, and I thought, well, I'm going to write it. And then I saw you know, there was this documentary called Earthling that he'd already, you know, done, and I thought, well, I think I should probably watch that before I write to him, and then I could say, "Hey, I really enjoyed your documentary." It's a bit calculating, but anyway. But it, you know, it, I'm really happy I did. I mean, it, um, so you know, it, it was grueling watching that thing, and I, I think you have to be predisposed to begin with. But yeah. I definitely wasn't ready to give up. You know. I, you know, I love eggs and bacon and all that, that stuff. But I, watched, I forced myself to watch it to the end, and it was just so upsetting. I mean, you know, it's an hour and a half of all that type of footage. To, yes. You know, that we've all seen little snippets of. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, so at the end, I just, I felt like this is it. I can't, I can't be party to this anymore. You know, I, it's just, it's just wrong. So I went, you know, went to the fridge and I moved all the meat and dairy into the bin and became vegan right down there. But I mean, it's very easy, especially in a city like Los Angeles. Um, there's so many great vegan products now that, yeah. you know, like yeah. Beyond Meat makes these sausages that taste like in Spangers. They're amazing. <laughs> I read something interesting really quick. But I, was, how did, I was wondering, how did they get these things to taste so close to real meat. And I read something the other day that um, they, they find similar molecules between a meat item and, and plants. And that's how they start to construct. It's fascinating to me how they construct these, uh, these vegan meat items. How they, where do you start from? How do you, you know? Well, it's... it's... Yeah, it fascinates me too. I actually saw one of these crazy videos on Facebook the other day, and it was this meat manufacturing plant. I think it was in China, and it was just making um, vegan steak essentially. And this this machine was about twenty feet wide, making what looked, felt, and tasted like steak for for for, 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 for vegan consumption. And the science of marrying the molecules is, 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 I've been reading about that too, and I find it absolutely fascinating that they can find, they can find these matches that are as near as damn it. And then the biggest, the biggest challenge really for the industry is, is that is really the consistency of the food, not, not so much the taste anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I,
you know. But um, I've got a lot of yeah. friends. I've got a lot of friends who are vegan who, who maintain that you know it's it's obviously becoming a lot easier, especially living in a large centre like you do in LA. It, it's not it's not like living in a small enclave whereby you just have to eat everything except the stuff you can't eat, which is not veganism essentially because you're not replacing any of the proteins with anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I imagine you know there's places in the world where it's been very, very difficult to you know to get all the proper nutrients you you need. And, um, but I, I, you know, I think maybe even I you know pick, picked up on information and um, that it that it you know it's going to be completely factory farming industry will become completely under sustainable by 2050 around that time. Yes. Um, we just use it up way too many resources and, you know, there's a lot of pollution involved. Um, and it's come to my mind, I haven't seen any articles about this, but I, I think what will probably happen is that they will just clone meat in, and in laboratories. So I don't, which is great because, you know, there won't be the suffering, but I think it'll all be kind of grown in factories, meat factories. <laughs> like, I can't see... I saw a statistic the other day that said um, one in three people said they w would never date a vegan. <laughs> Come on! So, you know, there's this, there's this stigma, <laughs> huge stigma attached to it. To Where it, was this poll? Where was this poll? Um, the American Midwest or something? I mean, it doesn't sound yeah, congruous to me at all. Certainly wasn't um, certainly wasn't in California in Oregon, that's for sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it was based. Social stigma, but, my goodness. Well, I mean, with all due respect, there are contingent of vegans that don't do them, you know, many favours. The last thing you want to hear is that you you know you rock up to the bar at the pub and you overhear someone saying that they're a cross-fitting vegan. You just don't care. But for every one of them, there are 99 legitimate doing it in silence merchants like yourself type thing. So, I don't know. It's difficult not to get tarred with the stupidity brush as well. But one out of, th one out of three is harsh. <laughs> I know. That's really harsh. Anyway, it's great that we could actually touch upon that as well, semi-organically. It's just been wonderful talking with you. And I just wish... You all the best with this with, with this project because knowing what I know now about the publication and what what uh, the the idea is for for the end product, it is sorely needed. There's a massive vacuum in, in in the world of music right now, so I can only hope that the likes of myself can all get involved with Indiegogo and help fund this project and and be be a part of it. So. I wish you the very best, and, and, and I'm sure that you're suitably excited about it, which in turn I'm excited for you that you're excited about it. Which, which is great. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, I'm very excited about it, yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, there's a, there's a big void that, that needs to be filled, and I, yeah. Well, let's, I'm certainly going to keep everybody listening abreast of everything, and I'm, so, I'm sure that uh, Shauna is going to, going to keep everyone like myself abreast of things so that we can keep uh, listeners all over God's green earth in tune with, with what happens with the project. Um, so on, on that note, thank you so much, and, and enjoy the rest of your day. What time is it there now? What, it's about, what, uh, 11 o'clock in the morning there now, isn't it? Just before 11, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kevin. And, and, I'll, and I'll drop you and uh, Shauna a note with regards to uh, the show details in, in the next two or three days. Okay, great. Uh, it's been a pleasure also. Lovely. Thanks so much.
My pleasure indeed. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's a busy fellow, isn't he, Mr Haskins? Um, as a reminder, before I get into some more banter here, indiegogo.com slash projects slash foxes uh, hyphen television hyphen pilot hashtag and go to Cleo Rex, that's C-L-E-O-R-E-C-S dot com and uh, just put in undead and uh, you'll find this beautiful Bauhaus uh, compilation book that, uh, that Kevin has uh, put together over the course of three years or so. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of publication. It really, really is. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, keepsake, if you like. If you're a remote fan, you're going to get an awful lot out of uh, this particular publication. Now, one more song, The Last of Three, uh, as chosen again by Kevin. This is uh, from the Tones on Tail repertoire. And Tones on Tail uh, were a band that uh, formed in 82, sort of after after the demise of, of Bauhaus, pre pre-Love and Rockets, and uh, this is the title track to the Burning Skies EP from 1983 on Situation 2 Records, Burning Skies.
1983 Tones on Tail Burning Skies title track to their uh, EP of course of the same flipping name on Situation 2 Records that ends episode 105 of Near Perfect Pitch thanks so much for listening thank you for giving me three hours of your uh, very valuable time huge thanks to Mr Kevin Haskins and uh, I must remind you too that the programme was brought to you by Kevin Fox's TV and the Dark Chocolate Digestive do me a favour it's my usual weekly grovel uh, do me a favor please and recommend the program to somebody that you think could uh, get a lot out of it spread the word let's share a share shall we? let's get let's keep the sentiment of sharing at full throttle um anyone who you think might enjoy the program please tell them it's available on every podcast provider on god's green earth in as much as it's now on spotify so there's no excuse it is omnipresent so uh, please do recommend it i'd be eternally grateful on that note i'll be back next week with 106 be good to each other and uh, i'll see you in a week's time Ta-ra.